Yes, that's the sound of the start of your weekend. It's the NTT20 betting show sponsored by Betfair. This show is about betting. It's for over 18s only, very, very strictly. And if you're listening to the show, if you're thinking about having a bet this weekend or any time, do make sure that you're gambler aware. Head to BeGamblerAware.org to find out about all the risks that come with gambling. Make sure you're never betting more than you can afford to lose and certainly never chasing your losses as well. I'm Ali Maxwell. Got George Ellick with me. You all right, mate? Yes. How are you? Fine. I've been trialling a slightly more relaxed, informal, chatty start to the pods. been listening to a lot of Bill Simmons, who's a very famous American. I know who Bill Simmons is. And he starts all of his pods as if he's like midway through a sentence. And yeah, it's rubbed off for me. Anyway, you must have felt fairly hard done by last week. A certain Huddersfield draw no bet at 11 to 5 nap away at Baggies Friday night live under under the lights on Sky. That was in a weird order. 2-0 up. And in the end, it was a push. But just happy I took the draw no bet. I probably felt more hard done by by the Gavin White anytime goal scorer, given that um, Matt Taylor's opening goal was Gavin White one-on-one rebound from the keeper for Taylor open goal. So a <laughs> couple, of, couple of tough ones. Very fine margins. That 11-5 nap, as you say, draw no bet, and it was a draw. Gavin White was 7-2, but not doing the business. We both got Lincoln up as our next best. So our double nap two weeks ago, our double MB last week, both winners all well on that front. That was your only winner, sadly, just over a point down on the week, though. Uh, and I won my stance off, didn't I, with Paul Tisdale, Stevenage, my third bet against them in four weeks, and they were all winners. Newport, my nap at 7-5. to five. That spelled the end of Paul Tisdale's reign as Stevenage manager. Steve Evans in charge to take them from here to the end of the season. I probably won't be betting on a Stevenage game for a few weeks until we see what they look like under Evans. Um, also, even more excitingly in that game, Rob Street did indeed score his first professional goal. It was indeed a great moment for him, his family, <laughs> and most importantly for me. But... It wasn't half past three when he scored, nor did Jeff Selling do a single street pun, which I thought was strange. I thought that would be right up his alley. Alley. Oh, <laughs> oh we're cooking today. I was up 5.43 points on the Unreal. week. That was with my lay bet, Swindon scoring a 95th minute winner. Fulham didn't rack up the goals I was expecting against Barnsley, but none of that dampened my spirits. El Arbitro, the legend that is Hugh Davis, told me it was my biggest winning weekend since September. And also that I've not had a losing weekend since mid-January, eight weeks in a row, seven profitable weeks and one flat week as well. No pressure as we head into our naps. George, what's your best bet in this weekend's EFL slate? Uh, I'm going to Oxford against Ipswich, I'm afraid, for those who hate me doing Oxford games, but I think there is a bet here that just cannot be ignored. Um, And that is, if you ask me right now, if the season were to start next week, who would be favourites for the League One title? It would be between Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday, with Ipswich probably just about shading it. Ipswich are the, are the side at the moment in League One who, irrespective of the result, are the better team in basically every game that they play. You know, they drew 0 0 against Pompey uh, last weekend in a game where they restricted Pompey to, to very, very few chances and had the better, better chances themselves. Um, the two draws against Morecambe and Cheltenham, which pretty much, not quite totally, but pretty much killed their top six hopes. Uh, they battered them. And as we've said many times, 39 shots in those two games, scoring just the one goal. Um, their ability to prevent teams from creating basically anything puts them in such a strong position. That goal they conceded at Morecambe, the only goal they've conceded 
the only goal they've conceded in their last nine games. And given their opponent, Oxford, are so reliant on creating chances, I guess you've got to ask yourself, it's the classic unstoppable force versus immovable object. And in this case, I think Ipswich is so good, are so good at stopping the opposition from creating much. It's going to be very hard for Oxford to implement their game plan. And Oxford's weakness is clearly their defence. All season, you know, they, they score lots of goals, they concede lots of goals. And Ipswich are by no means a, a stunted side going forward. You know, they may not have scored as many goals as they've deserved recently, but they do create chances and they've got all the attacking talent that you need to do so. Um, so looking at this game, you know, we, we've seen Selena and Chaplin in particular come into really some really good form recently. Caden Jackson's been like leading the line very well, something I don't think any Ipswich fan thought they'd be saying um, a few months ago. Um, but they are just a, a well-oiled machine. And this is a big game for them because even though, if you ask me right now, it's going to be nigh on impossible um, for Ipswich to break in given the the amount of, of quality teams ahead of them and the amount of points they've got to make up. As long as they're six points off the playoffs, they're not going to see it that way. And they're going to see this as a massive opportunity um, to take points off, off a side with their eight points behind. But when this, it becomes five with nine games to go, um, sorry, seven games to go. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not all gone. It's a huge game for both sides. Oxford clearly coming to this as the team with something to lose. Oxford have plenty of injury issues at the moment, which I think you can see how aware of this Oxford are. The game next weekend against Morecambe, the club seems to be doing whatever they can to try and get it postponed due to international call-ups. Um, because, you know, there are plenty of players who are out currently. Um, so for Ipswich to be the outsider, I don't think is necessarily right. The fact that you can get odds against 11 to 10, about Ipswich draw no bet just seems very very generous. Getting basically getting more than double your money and taking the draw out of out of play when they've kept so many clean sheets, eight in their last nine in the league. Um, so I, I hope I'm wrong. I'll be very much over the moon if I'm wrong. Um, sitting at Quest watching this on Saturday, uh, but I mean I, I think that Ipswich are, are being undervalued uh, and are being underrepresented in terms of the prices here as to how good they've been. A betting show win win pick you could call that one uh, my nap is forest green to beat colchester at even money this is on monday night it's live on sky sports but a league two action under the lights on sky sports it's the league leaders forest green against colu in essex my main stance here i guess just to frame it is forest green winless in seven are they wobbling or not i'm saying not really wobbling certainly in terms of performances, if not in terms of results. Now, they're up against Colu, a side who a couple of weeks ago we were very concerned about slipping through the trap door for the second season in a row. It looks like they will play out a 46-game campaign in which they are mostly very poor but stay in the EFL. Um, and I would challenge them to do enough in the off-season to, to, to try and start moving upwards rather than downwards, which they have done pretty consistently over the last few years. But... When it was a draw with Oldham and Orient and then beating Port Vale and Scunthorpe in that group of, of four games, they got eight points and, and that was enough to get away from the relegation zone. Now, they beat Vale in a very tight game. They defended well. It was a set-piece goal. Very, very tight. Not much in it. And Scunthorpe, when they beat last weekend, they were actually 1-0 down against Scunny. And Scunny went down to 10 men after half an hour with a whole hour to play. Um, Colchester making the most of that with three goals winning 3-1 and then lost to Bristol Rovers in their last game so I'm sort of they've done enough 
you'd think to to stay up at this point but i'm not really buying that they've massively jumped up a level in general for any particular reason it, it's a team with a few good performance recently uh chilvers and sarpong wereda in midfield sears up front and some others in bits and bobs the defense has been okay but i'm not i'm not buying that koyu are suddenly uh, anything better than a, a bottom eight team even if they might be slightly better than the than the what four worst but I guess it's more a public display of, of uh, support for Forest Green Rovers from me here. I think news of their demise is travelled far and wide because they were so far clear and a seven-game winless run is pretty unusual at this stage of the season. It hasn't really threatened their chances of automatic promotion. It's still a seven-point gap with a game in hand to fourth. Uh, and even the team in second place, Northampton, uh, don't necessarily look in great form as well. So you'd think they'll be fine, but clearly it's it's not a great look. I think people kind of want to see late season drama so they're probably happy to look at the results and say a team is wobbling without necessarily digging deeper but but I have and I don't think so I think I think it's a uh, they've been on the wrong side of some some bad luck really some variance whatever you want to call it in football we know that it happens um I'm looking at a, a run of seven games in which they drew away at Sutton away at Newport away at Salford and on balance of play those three games ranged from even games to Forest Green probably edging them to be honest and these are draws against top 10 teams away from home which are good results for any team I'm seeing two massively smashy and grabby defeats to Crawley and Bradford <laughs> um, <Some> nice new <laughs> adjective smashy and grabby smashy and grabby uh, again you know Forest Green's general level of play in those games not massively dropping just some poor finishing and a few lapses at the back occurring at the same time in a way that, that they just hadn't been for the first 80 percent of this season and then a defeat to Walsall that's the one that I don't think anyone had any complaints about really Mike Flinniola's Walsall were excellent that day um, in midweek a strong first half and Forest Green to go ahead against Orient then they did tail off in the second half that's a little bit alarming but I believe in the way that the club is being managed I think that's a positive here you look at Rob Edwards you look at the the structure of the club I don't think that things will be being thrown smashed I don't think panic will be setting in my perception of Forest Green and it might be wrong is that it's a, a pretty well managed calm place um, from well starting with Edwards but but all over really so trying to look past the final score in the last seven games I still see this as a strong team for the level, probably still the best team at the level, going to a, a very poor team for the level. And so I think despite questions that they might be wobbling, Forest Green can calmly take control of this game, get over the line in front of the cameras at even money on Monday night. Next best. My next best is uh, in the championship where I am going to bat West Brom. Uh, to beat Bristol City at even money. Now, I've been pretty anti-West Brom under Steve Bruce, and I, and I wouldn't say I'm necessarily pro-West Brom under Steve Bruce yet, but there's absolutely no denying that they put in their best performance under him uh, when beating Fulham 1-0 in midweek. Uh, it was by no means a fortunate win. They were at it from from the from the get-go, and you've got to think that uh, double you know, the late goals that we saw against Huddersfield um, seemed to inspire something in them, and you know, it would have been easy for them to end up on the beach after that. Um, but you know they're still going to believe if they can basically win every game from now to the end of the season, there could still be something to play for. Um, so this is isn't necessarily a pro West Brom bet. It's it's a it's a big a big anti Bristol City bet. Uh, I'm just uh, they're probably the team in the EFL that I want to get get against the most. They have a an unbelievable knack of picking up undeserved wins basically at the moment which have kept them um able to start looking at themselves towards the beach you, know, you look at their 
most recent two victories. They beat Brist- they beat Middlesbrough at home back in mid-Feb um, in a game where they had five shots to Burrows 21. And, you know, their keeper, Dan Bentley, made a host of saves in that one um, with Crooks getting a, a kind of a late consolation. But it was, it was a, you know, smashy and grabby, as you said. <laughs> and then the Blackburn game um, a, a week or so ago last weekend when Blackburn battered them, missed a penalty, but had plenty of opportunities during the game to win it before Andy Vyman scored a great volley from one of the luckiest assists you're ever going to see. Your luck runs out. You know, that catches up with you. And if you look at the four games either side of those two, they've been beaten by Coventry, Forest, Birmingham and Barnsley. So to be getting even money about, you know, if you just line up these two sides in terms of in terms of pure personnel, you'd think West Brom would be odds on. Um, and I think any half-decent um, championship side should have like you know, a, a clearly better than fifty percent chance of beating a Bristol City team who, despite having some very talented individual players, and you know, I, I'm not taking anything away from what the likes of Vyman and Semenyo can do as a team. That they they're basically second best in every Championship team that game they play, unless it's against one of the lowly sides. Um, so hopefully West Brom's improved performance continues, and if they come out and play the way they did against Fulham, then um, yeah, I mean, they should be a, an odds-on shot in my book. Good stuff. Well, I've gone from a, a very short price away nap to a, a juicy price away next best. Barrow hosting Carlisle. I'm back in the away side, Carlisle, at 5-2 to two here, at 3.5 in the decimal. And, well, they won four in a row before their midweek defeat to Newport, didn't they, Carlisle? And, you know, it was easy to get carried away with the, the Paul Simpson renaissance and him being the messiah. And I love all that stuff. Uh, if you look a little bit deeper... They nicked a few of those wins, didn't they? I mean, particularly the one against Northampton, the fourth, was really thanks to a, a Fraser horseful brain fart giving away a, a very random penalty right at the end, which was scored. But regardless, uh, this is more about thinking Barrow are, are pretty desperate, to be honest, and certainly not being blinded by a 1-0 win in midweek against Scunthorpe, where Scunny were down to 10 after 22 minutes, and Barrow did batter them in fairness and won 1-0 but who knows how that game would have played out because before without the red card I mean before it and really for some time now Barrow have been playing consistently poorly uh, before that lovely midweek tie against the worst team in the, in the league by miles down to 10 men for 70 minutes Barrow had had two shots on target or less in seven of their last 11 games really poor at creating chances Barrow for some time now now Carlisle under Simpson a lot happier going forward than previously even if some of the wins I think were were fortunate looking at the balance of play games that they kind of nicked or edged they can attack he seems to have loosened them up a lot and the first four games under Simpson they averaged five shots on target per game only two in midweek against Newport but I'm not surprised they lost to Newport they're one of the best teams in the league at the moment Omari Patrick and to a slightly lesser extent Toby Show Silver both look pretty lively and, and pretty potent and that makes a big difference to these teams down at the bottom. They haven't looked as solid at the back. It's fair to say Simpson, instead of shoring up the defence uh, and going low margin, he's kind of gone quite open, actually. They're giving up quite a lot of chances, but I think they're good enough to keep Barrow at bay. Uh, it's just two teams with very different atmospheres right now. This this stage of the season, I probably look a little bit less at performance data and a little bit more on, on my perception of how teams are, how they're feeling, how they're approaching games to, to finish this season. And you'd argue that Barrow have more to play for with Carlisle now looking safe. But there's just a confidence and a happiness at Carlisle following their change of manager. I don't see that at Barrow. You know, they won four of their first 10 league games. 
during what, which point you and I were both pretty surprised when Mark Cooper let slip that his budget was much bigger than many of us thought. And since that point, they've only won four of 26, includes their last game against Scunthorpe. Now, that chips away at, at good feeling, at excitement. Um, and unlike every team around them, Barrow didn't change their manager. They're the ones that stood by their manager, Mark Cooper, during declining results and dropping down the table towards the bottom two. Most surprisingly, they stood by Mark Cooper after he was handed an eight-match ban, which he's still serving. I think one team is coming with much better energy and confidence than another and playing better than another. And Barrow's fans will make well will do their best to make sure home advantage counts here. But I think Carlisle are the value here at 5-2. to two. I don't think it'll be a battering by any means. Probably quite low margin stuff. But I think they can nick this by a goal or two. Happy to be on Carlisle at 5-2 to two in the Cumbrian Derby this weekend. Don't forget the Betfair have no cash-out suspensions or match odds for all EFL games. That's applicable to singles. And multiples. George, using the exchange, put up a lay, please. Going to the probably one of the biggest games in League One, I would say, this weekend. And it's not towards the top, the area that we love so much. It is a titanic relegation clash between Fleetwoods and Doncaster. And I'm laying Fleetwood at 1.88. Um, it's, a, it's a game between two sides who are, are very poor and are very out of form. Uh, and two managers who are both going through their first experience of management. And frankly, there's there's not a great deal to be positive about either of them. You know, Craney started well at, at Fleetwood, but things have unraveled to a, a pretty um, terrifying degree. And, and they've lost their last five consecutive games. The the result um, was, was well, I mean, it, it was nearly better at Wickham. They conceded a, a bit of a sucker punch. Um, goal to Jason McCarthy late on. Um, but, you know, if you, you've got to go back to January the 15th since the last time they won a game. So for them to be odds on against the Donny side, who, you know, whilst their performances aren't particularly good either, we've seen beat Accrington, beat uh, Lincoln away, and go to Sunderland and beat them in that same amount of time, uh, I don't think is right. You look at the the way that this game is set up as well with, with Doncaster, the team who are trying to chase Fleetwood down. You know, the onus is on Fleetwood to effectively avoid defeat rather than necessarily win this game. Uh, and Doncaster come into it knowing that a win is is all that matters to them. Uh, and a draw does them absolutely no good at all. Um, you know, th- there's not a great deal between the two. The home, the home advantage side of things, again, I, I think things could get incredibly nervy at Fleetwood pretty early on in this one um, if, if uh, you know, if things don't start going right initially. So, um, and, we, and we saw the way that Doncaster beat Sunderland, uh, the way that Doncaster came out against Sheffield Wednesday in the game they lost 3-1. They have... Certainly in games where they've come with a, a bit of energy uh, have caused teams some serious problems and, and Fleetwood's defensive record is so poor that it's hard not to see them doing it again. So um, I think this could be, and what is, you know, a match, Doncaster win this game, it, it really does throw the cat amongst the pigeons in the uh, in the League One relegation battle. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I don't think Fleetwood should be the odds on price they are to win it. I'm laying Rotherham. The league leaders in League One at 1.66 being matched on the Betfair Exchange pre-recording. I don't think Rotherham are playing very well at the moment. I don't think they have been for, for a few weeks. Uh, I don't think that's hugely controversial because from the fans that I speak to, I think there's a recognition that that is true. Uh, certainly from some of the things Paul Warner said about his team's performances over the last few weeks. It seems to me that he believes it to be true. And the win against Lincoln in midweek didn't really put paid to any thoughts that they are just not quite at their top level at the moment. They were 2-0 up early in this game. They won it, I should say, 2-1. 
a lovely Ben Wiles goal and a slightly fluky Ogbené goal. But the last half an hour, they were massively under the cosh from Lincoln and they didn't seem to have an answer for it. It, it certainly wasn't the game management we came to expect from them. And I think it's fairly evident watching the games and evident from the numbers as well. Their XG ratio has dropped off a lot where it was so strong in the first part of the season or the first two thirds of it, really. They're looking a bit less solid at the back and a bit less potent up top. Now, the way that they play and the, and the questions that they ask teams means that they are still able to maintain a pretty decent points return at the moment, but they're certainly not the team that was blitzing the league a, a couple of months ago. They're up against Shrewsbury, at home to Shrews, um, and Shrews are, are the data darlings at the moment. This is the best case that I can make for, for Shrews on this half of it, even though mostly it's because I don't think Rotherham's performances are very high at the moment. It was a funny one with, with Shrews. Before their 5-0 win against Morecambe in midweek, they were a team that had only won one in 12, but underlying numbers-wise, we're putting up top-half XG ratio numbers uh, over that chunk of 12 games. That was based on a really mean defence. But they, they were struggling to put away their chances, which means they won... Sorry, they drew seven of those 12 games, won one and lost four. The fans are getting pretty bored, but data-wise kind of suggested that, in general, they're they're pretty high-functioning football team um, that wasn't putting away their chances. Maybe they could gain a bit of confidence from sticking five past Morecambe in midweek. Udo and Bowman, I think, can cause problems uh, for Rotherham. Uh, it's a big job for the back three. Flanagan, Ebanks, Landale, Pennington to handle that Rotherham attack. But they've been in pretty good shape recently, and I do think of at least two of those three as being fairly strong in the air. So hopefully they can repel any uh, dangerous crosses. I just think as well, things could get a little bit tetchy at the New York Stadium if Shrews can keep the Millers at bay for the first half, let's say. You know, Wigan are still breathing down the necks of Rotherham, as are MK Don. So it's not uh, all she wrote in terms of a, a Miller's promotion at this stage. I'm happy to lay the league leaders at 1.66. Uh, goals and goal scorers will top us off. You're going to the championship for my goals bet, um, and it's 15 to 8 about there being under one and a half goals in Stoke against Millwall. Um, Millwall didn't have a single shot famously in their last away game against Blackburn and even though their home form is so impressive under Gary Rowett we know that they are a side who are very low margin who look to keep it very tight and are never going to be particularly free scoring and up against a Stoke team who are faltering themselves whose season is, is massively unravelling um, and again I can't imagine uh, given they have no chance of going up uh, this season and it's kind of a case now of Michael O'Neill just trying to save his job um, I don't see any particular reason why Stoke will be able to trouble uh, Millwall. I think Millwall, I, I wouldn't back them at nine to four, but I, I think it it might be a, a, a slice of value given um, the way that both teams come into this. And it's hard to see anything but a very, very low margin game with very few chances. So I was going to back nil nil, um, but Stoke's recent poor form and the fact that Millwall um how are so toothless on the road uh, made me just think maybe the 15 to 8 about under one and a half so you're getting both one one nil either way and nil nil on side um, is the way to play in what I'm expecting to be a pretty boring game an overs treble for me sums us up doesn't it I do an under one and a half single and you do an overs treble the optimist <laughs> and the pessimist yin and yang uh, you'd, be, mm. you'd be fair to ask Ali don't you routinely lose your doubles and trebles on the goals section of this podcast and didn't you go on quite a good run when you limited yourself to singles for a few weeks and the answer is yes but every now and again I like to take the uh, the instinctive approach I like a varied diet when it comes to EFL punting and when I was going through the docket um, I'll, I'll let you behind the curtain uh, I start my betting show research by printing out the BBC fixtures page uh, uh, an A4 sheet for all three leagues 
Uh, I don't look at any prices. I just go through the games and I and I circle teams if I fancy them, and I I underline teams if I don't fancy them. I I note when my gut thinks that it's going to be an open game and there might be goals. And that was the case for three games, one in each league, over two point five goals in QPR against Peterborough in the Championship on Sunday. This one, uh, I mean, Posh concede two point five eight goals themselves alone in away games this season. Um, QPR should be able to cash in. Posh confidence knocked by a late, late concession uh, of Swansea's winner on Wednesday night. Fleetwood against Doncaster. You've spoken about that game. My perception of Fleetwood games at the moment is that they're very chaotic. Good at scoring, bad at defending. Uh, Donny themselves away from home, we know, can chuck in an absolute shocker. They've conceded 2.32 goals a game away from home. Uh, And Crawley versus Swindon. I just think both of these teams have been attacking pretty well recently. That's backed up by the numbers. Um, but I think they're both fairly vulnerable. Better going forward than backwards. I'm sure both will go for it because Crawley, well, it's John Yems, why not? Uh, and Swindon, just the best way of winning games, I think, for them, uh, rather than trying to sit tight. So 6.67, the treble. I think that's just a touch over 11-2. to two. QPR Peterborough, Fleetwood Doncaster and Crawley Swindon over 2.5 goals with the Betfair Sportsbook, where there's a new daily bet builder slash multiple offer uh, you know what it used to be because I've said it every week on this show. <laughs> but now with Betfair, if you bet ten pounds on multiples or bet builders, you'll get a two pound free bet. So the threshold to get the free bet is lower. If you bet ten pounds on multiples or bet builders, you'll get a two pound free bet to use. Also on multiples or bet builders, make sure you check the T's and C's on site just to make sure you know uh, what those terms are. But yes, a change to the Betfair multiples offer: bet ten pounds get two pounds back on multiples or bet builders now finish me off with a goal scorer goal scorer is barry bannon to score at 16 to 5 away at um gillingham you know i think wednesday as anyone who listens to this show or the um monday pod will know i think wednesday are very good and you look at um bannon's kind of got both goal scoring record and shooting record in in the last few weeks it's remarkable you look at his last kind of six or seven games shots of four against Wigan three against Rotherham four against Donny one against Charlton five against Burton three against Lincoln one against Cambridge two against Accrington Uh, he has scored five goals in that time Um, he I think is basically priced up on reputation rather than what he's actually doing he's one of the most informed most talented players in the division on free kicks as well as we'd expect but uh, getting into goal-scoring positions a lot in play as well. And even though I think Gillingham have improved under Neil Harris, um, Sheffield Wednesday looked to me to be well worth their um, for heavy odds on price. I and mean, we've seen in recent weeks as well with them putting six past Cambridge, five past um, Sheffield Wednesday, that when they do turn up three past Donny, uh, they can score a fair few as well. So Bannon at 16-5 to five in what could be another Wednesday route. Very nice. I am going to Michael Obafemi of Swansea. I looked at him. Great. 23 to 10 he is. Decided not to. Just 12 <laughs> hours ago, he was celebrating a brace against Peterborough. 23 to 10. Best price on the market by distance with the Betfair Sportsbook. This was, if I'm honest, because I almost had Swans as my nap at home to Birmingham. I didn't feel I could fully trust Swansea uh, with my two points at at 20 to 23. Just a touch too short for me. I wanted to back them mainly because I think Birmingham look absolutely done at the moment. Borough fans, remember their away form's been patchy recently. Poor, really. They couldn't believe how easy it was in midweek. But Blues fans weren't surprised. Things are incredibly meh 
at Birmingham City at the moment. Boya is not cutting a happy figure. Um, and, and as we've said many times before, when things are good under Boya, the way he can get things going, you know, increases the ceiling for sure. But I also think when things are going poorly, the fairly emotional and, and heart-on-sleeve nature of Boya and his management style, I don't think it necessarily helps drag things back. So he's not happy. It's not a happy club, not a happy team. They go to Swans. Uh, and, yeah, too short for me to back Swansea, but they have a striker in form. We spoke about him on the Monday pod probably four weeks ago now. And it's it's a great story, really, and it, and it should be really exciting for Swansea fans because Obafemi is their player. I had previously thought he was just on loan from Saints, but they bought him permanently. Before February the 1st, Obafemi had only started one game this season. He's someone that's always been talked of as really talented, great potential, but both Hassan Huttel at Saints and Russ Martin at Swansea have questioned his sort of work ethic, desire, off-pitch stuff. Maybe a penny has dropped because he has started nine of the last ten up top with Perot dropping into more of a support role in the 10. Uh, and Obafemi's got six goals in nine games. Uh, he gets chances in the box. Exactly what Swansea needed uh, up front in this style of play that they have. Uh, and actually looking at the Opta Analyst numbers, albeit with the caveat that he's only played 1,100 minutes and some players have played 3,000 odd, he's got the fourth, fourth highest XG per 90 in the championship. Uh, and he's obviously reaping the rewards. Slight concern, I guess, is, is his sort of natural fitness. It's been questioned in the past and he came off on Wednesday night with 10 minutes to go. But he's in such sharp form, I think you have to start him. And the other option, Carl Joseph, feels like a bit of a drop-off. So I'm confident he starts. Uh, Blues have given up over 1.5 expected goals in four of their last six games. I think if Swansea hit their straps and get the ball zipping around like they can, they can tire out this fairly unmotivated Blues side, create some space in the box, and Obafemi could make the most of that. So I wanted to get with Swansea, but I was a bit disappointed at the price. Then I looked at Obafemi, and I was absolutely delighted with it. 23 to 10, 3.3 for Obafemi to net. George, tell me about your five picks. Uh, my nap is Ipswich draw no better at Oxford, 11 to 10. Uh, next best West Brom uh, to win away at Bristol City at even money. Uh, laying Fleetwood at home to Doncaster at 1.88. Under one and a half goals at 15 to 8, Stoke against Millwall. And then Barry Bannon score any time at 16 to 5 as Sheffield Wednesday travel to Gillingham. In my nap Monday night, live on Sky away at Colchester. I'm really stretching out my punting weekend. Carlisle 5 to 2. My next best away at Barrow. I've laid Rotherham at 1.66. They're at home to Shrews on Saturday. Uh, I've got an overs treble. Uh, QPR Posh over 2.5. Fleetwood Doncaster over 2.5. Crawley Swindon over 2.5 goals. 6.67 the treble on the Betfair Sportsbook. And Michael Obafemi hoping to do what Rob Street did for me last week and score anytime for Swansea against Birmingham City. 23 to 10 this weekend thank you so much for listening hope you've enjoyed this podcast huge thank you to betfair for their support of it both the betting show and the monday pod as well george is on quest on saturday i'm looking forward to him Mm. talking through this slate of fixtures we'll be back again on monday go well